Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. Open what? I haven't opened my new computer yet. What? (laughs) You're not using it? No. Why? Because it's so pretty. So it's just in the box. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I I took it out and I opened it and it made that beautiful noise that Apple does. Oh my word. And it was like, welcome. And then I just softly closed it and I put it back. <laughs> you were like, goodbye. <laughs> goodbye, new computer. I can't. I can't use you. I even paid for rush shipping and I can't use you. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market. We work for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to encourage you to find your own way in business. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. Hello, friends. This is Katie. And Alyssa. We're going to identify ourselves now. What do you think about that? We need to just keep remembering to do it so they recognize our voices. Well, I mean, someone might pick it up. Today is episode number 43. Oh my gosh. All things offers. Yay. All about offers, all things offers. Either way, what if someone just picked it up today? They don't know I'm Katie. Oh yeah, that's true. They could be starting here. Wouldn't that be a funny thing? I mean, someone might pick it up on 43. Yeah. And then they're going to go back and do you know what they're going to listen to first? Hmm. episode number nine database our most (laughs) downloaded episode because that's the one that everybody loves they all want that one that's the one okay so this is all about offers and I have some thoughts on how to break this down so start do you you have any thoughts nope okay what I would like to do first is for us to put on our buyer agent hat and think about this from the angle of well how do we We have the buyer we have the buyers so we have found the house We've got the house. We're ready to make an offer. What do you do? What is your typical course of action with your buyers? What are you asking them? What are you talking to them about? How do you how do you do what do you what is your pre-work before you start writing your offer? Okay, so we know they're pre-approved at this point. They sure sure better be if you took them out to see a house. Yes. So once we found the house, um, while we are in the house, usually I email their lender and copy them, the buyers on it. Okay. And I say, Hey, they love this house, 250,000. Can you please send me a pre-approval letter and let me know what the monthly note would be mm-hmm. and how much the total closing costs and prepaids are. Okay. I love it. Do you want on your pre-approval letter for it to say the amount? Um, so a lot of my lenders will send it to me in a word doc. Oh, and I can change the amount because they have told me like, Hey, these people can't go above two sixty, Right. Or, and so you, okay. But so let's say they were approved for two sixty, but you're writing an offer that's for two fifty. Do you it's type in two fifty? 250? Yeah. Me yeah. too. Because the last thing I want is for a seller to look at their pre-approval and realize they can spend 50,000 more dollars. Yeah. And then suddenly they're not feeling so happy about that and want to negotiate and get all the monies. 
Right. Okay. I like it. What else? Okay. So you've now you're in the house and you emailed the lender. I checked the disclosure if I haven't already. Okay. Um, now I check the disclosures before I show it usually just to okay. make sure. Is there flood insurance required? Did this house flood? Okay. Has it had any other issues? How old is the roof? So I just, I've already, but that I re-review it for the ones okay. that they're like, I think this is the one, you know, yeah. um, just to make sure. Because when I was a new agent, um, there was a an offer that they had said was not in a flood zone. Okay. And then the lender emailed us and was like, Hey, this one needs flood insurance. And it was a lot and it actually killed the deal. Yeah. I mean, that happens. Yeah. Just, I, I sometimes like I'm sensitive. It's funny. The things that you're sensitive to are the things that you've already had an issue with Mm -hmm. always. Um, So I'm really sensitive to flood insurance now because that affects their monthly note. Yeah. You will learn all those lessons the hard way though, right? Mm-hmm. Like one time you wrote the offer and you forgot to do this and then you never forget yeah. that again. Right. Exactly. Okay. So you've already, okay, but here's my question. What if you've gone out to see 10 houses? Yeah. Do you look yes. at the property disclosure on all 10? So here's the thing. You know how I operate with my buyers. I think I, I talk about this in client management. Yeah. If they send me a list of 10 houses, I email them back and I color code them by green, orange, and red. Right. Green is like everything on this looks good. It's what you said you wanted. It doesn't have insurance, if flood insurance, if that was a thing for you. Um, the, it's in the area you wanted. The ones in orange, well, this one's going to be 50 minutes from your work. Yeah. This one's going to be... This one's outside of the area that you told me. This one yeah. doesn't have a garage and you told me that was a must. Yeah. So... I'm rev- I'm reviewing the properties before we walk into them because it takes me five minutes at home. Yeah. Whereas it would take me 20 minutes to drive there, 15 minutes to show the house, 20 yeah. minutes to get to the next house. So I have, re- I review every property disclosure before because I'm looking to make sure there's not a deal breaker before you before spend time there and go look at it. Okay. So, I like it. Cause I make all my notes before I send it back. And then if they send me 10, we might go look at like five or six. Right. Okay. Makes sense. All right. So you're in the house and you've sent the email to your lender. Yes. You've already looked at your property disclosure. Yep. They say, this is the house. Mm-hmm. What's next? Um, I write the offer. Mm-hmm. We talk about, you know, close date, appliances, um, things like that. Check realtor remarks, make sure there's nothing special there. Yeah. Um, and then as soon as I get the closing cost amount from the lender, I just ask my buyers, do you want to ask the seller to pay all of this, half of it, what's more important to you? Yeah. And then we just sign it. Okay. All right. I want to interject here. Go for it. Um, I We have listeners all over, right? And it yes. still kind of baffles and blows my mind. There are still markets today that every single house gets a multiple offer you know, houses sell on the first day in the market. They sell for over list price. We, I just want to say are in, are we shifting? Are we in an even market? We're not sellers. Probably We're a buyer's market. Se- I'm right mean, on the line. It's weird because the buyers are struggling to find the good houses. Yeah. It's not, we're not low on inventory. Right. Right. But I just feel like maybe the inventory that we have isn't 
what the best want. inventory. Yes. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason. Okay. So just preface all of this, we're, we're talking about writing offers in a sort of stable market. Let's call it a stable market. Okay. We're not, we're not writing an offer in a down market or a super crazy competitive market. Okay. Right. Um, and that's just where we are currently. I mean, in the course of my career, I've been in for sure seller markets. I mean, especially in, you know, 2006, seven, probably six and seven when it was after mm-hmm. Katrina, it's definite like sells right away. Things went fast. Um, and then now I think it's just a little bit more stable. Okay. Right. So yes, I agree with all you've said. I would probably say I haven't taken anyone that isn't pre-approved. So if we found the house and it's time to make an offer, I don't do this inside of the house anymore. When I first started and before e-sign, I, oh, I did all the time. I would have yeah. a paper and I would get out my pen and we would talk it out and write it out in there. And that those were the days in my opinion, because they asked all the questions. I told them all of the things and we were all there together. Um, but now typically I'll say, okay, if you want to write an offer, I'm going to get back to my computer yes. you know, when I get out of the car and then I'm so do I. I'm not going to yeah. do this in the house. There's just no point. Um, I do it at home also. Yeah. I mean, it's just easier. So the questions that I think I like to ask them or just deposit. I'm like, look, this in this price range, this amount would be appropriate and make mm-hmm. sure that they understand that that deposit is going to get put into an escrow account. So the money actually has to be in the bank. And right. I've had that happen before. They're like, yeah, oh, I, I thought they, they were, were just going to hold it. it. Yeah. yeah, they were just going to hold this check. No. Um, so deposit, I cover that. Um, and I guess we could even dive into your thoughts on deposits. I know locally it's it's sort of been a an item that's talked about as almost pointless in some ways in our marketplace, the seller is not protected in our purchase agreement. No, not at all. So the deposit is just kind of silly, but Mm -hmm. if you're writing an offer, which is what we're doing right now and you want it to be considered and taken seriously, I think a deposit is helpful for that. I mean, mean, we always put a thousand in our marketplace. Yeah, I think that's, that's our market norm. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Um, Closing date. I normally talk with them about this. Look, if you can't go to a closing on a Friday, I need to know like what day of the week I I specifically I'll ask them. I'll say, look, this is the date range that you'd be looking at. If we write it today, Mm -hmm. do you like a Tuesday? Do you like a, like help me Mm -hmm. out? Like, cause when you put this number on there, the seller does not have to close any other day, but this literal day, like we can't, all of a sudden, uh, you know, three days out, be like, oh, well, I can't really close on Fridays. I'm like, well, you, that's a problem. <laughs> we, we picked the day. We picked the day. Mm-hmm. So I make sure they understand that. And then occupancy. I think mm-hmm. um, from a buyer end isn't as hard to figure out, but especially if you're representing a buyer that maybe you're also selling their property, we got to really think through this occupancy situation. Right. So if and if that seller that the property that you're writing an offer on is asking for occupancy, you just got to talk that out. Um, reserved items are the other thing I wrote down. If the seller has some stuff that's reserved in the MLS listing, I want to make sure they understand that. This and is huge. Yeah, the reserve stuff is huge. Yeah. Um, also, I don't. When you're right, I think the philosophy, and I think you probably, because I know you said you try to keep them simple. The philosophy when I'm writing an offer is I don't really want to counter. I want to write an offer that the seller and the agent can look at and say, perfect. Yeah. I will take this. I don't need mm-hmm. to him and haul about, I don't want to leave off the reserved items if they clearly put them in the realtor remarks. Put it in there. I try to be very thorough with what they have requested. I think one of the other things I've implemented in the last few years, and 
for almost anyone, I usually try to call, text, email, and communicate with the listing agent before I really finish writing. Like, yes. is there a closing date that the seller has to have? Are they trying mm-hmm. to stay in the house until the end of school? Like, what I need to know the things that I can avoid as having to get a counter on the front end. Right. Yeah. So I think closing date, reserved items, that kind of stuff is nice if you talk to the listing agent or just like, hey, what does your seller want and need? At least you know where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, appliances we talked about. And then the warranty. Do you have a thought about this? I don't like them. I don't. They're not very good or functional. I just feel like if you're writing an offer for a buyer and you're asking for closing costs and you're asking for a price reduction and you're asking for appliances, like everything that you put on there, the listing agent has to relay that to the seller. And it's like a just line item, one yeah. more mm-hmm. thing. Um, I don't ask for them. I tell my buyer, look, if during the inspection, the home inspector says this AC might have a year left, maybe we can negotiate it then. But in the upfront offer, I just don't. Mm-mm. I mean, I still do depending on the buyer and the situation, but I think I might do it less. Like, but I'm, I'm also educating my buyers on what the home warranty is. If yeah. it would really operate the way that they are supposed to, then and we're be. probably going to get a lot of um, home warranty people mail some flat after <laughs> after this. But but had you know a seller them home. Two months in, the AC goes out and they pay a hundred bucks and it doesn't get covered for one reason or another. And then it looks like I promised them they'd be protected for a year. I've had an angry mother call me. Oh no. About you sold my daughter this house and you got her a home warranty and it blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I got one for my parents, um, for a birthday and you they, bought them a warranty. I bought them a home warranty because <laughs> they um have a their AC is twenty eight years old. Oh my word! And they always joke about it. So for the birthday, I was like, "Hey, you you have a whole year. Let's hope it goes out." Right. And it didn't, but something else did. And you know, it did it, it work? Just, did it... No, it was a horrible experience, <laughs> and it was like the third company I've tried. Uh, and my thing is, save your money, have savings, and right. okay, I think that it's best for an air conditioner. Oh, it's agreed. not, it's not really worth it for a water heater even. Probably not. Okay. That's fair. Okay. So have we st- walked through your steps as you're writing your offer? I think so. Okay. How do you present the offer? And I think this was a question that was asked, like what is in your email to the, well, let's back that up. I will send it in an email to the listing agent, but I will always, always, always call them text them, communicate with them in some way besides that email. Yeah. And they have to respond to me for me to know that they have received that they got it. The offer. Yes. Yeah. Okay. What do you put in that email? It just depends. I mean, I usually like to write a little something about my buyers that they're pre-approved. I usually copy the lender on the email to the listing agent and say, Hey, see the attached offer. My clients are strong buyers. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to the lender. I feel like that just like it lets them know this is going to be an open line of communication oh, I like the that. whole time. Okay. Um, you know, they love the house, but these are some of the updates needed or but these are some of the comps in the area and we're kind of struggling with value and this is why we feel the offer is fair. Um, so I do like to give some insight if it's, you know, a lower offer or, um, or just if there's no 
explanation, like if they were priced well and it's a good offer, maybe just a little bit of information about my buyers and what they love about the house and whatnot. Okay. What if you know you're in a multiple offer, how does that change? Oh, um, (laughs) do you take out the stuff that, that the house needs updating? I do. Well, I do, but I think it just depends on the buyer at that time. Um, like I've had the conversation with my buyer that look, this is like the highest and best. If I call you and say that we lost, you can't wish that you had gone $500 more. Right. Like I need, and I tell them, I can't pick the number for you. You have to do it. All I'm here to do in this situation is to show you the data, the facts of the subdivision, the market in this area. And now it's up to y'all to decide what the house is worth to you. What is the most that you would be willing to pay for it? Right. And they have to give me that number. And I have to make sure they understand that if the seller's asking 200 and we offer 200 with 5,000 in closing, that was not a full price offer. Right. Oh, and oh my, please do not email me your full price offer. I'm doing my air quotes. Yeah. With 5,000 in closing costs. Yeah. It's not full price. I'm talking to you agents. Please don't, don't send me the email that says, but I sent you a full price offer. Why did you take the other offer? I'm like, that wasn't full price. Right. Um, So I usually try to give somewhat of a short response time, like maybe five or six hours. Oh, really? If it's multiple multiple offers. Yeah. If it's regular, I I usually just give 24, maybe Mm -hmm. 20 or something. 20. Um, I usually try to, I try to do like noon the next day. Right. Okay. Unless it's like, I'm writing it super late at night or whatever. But, um, because I don't want to put a deadline of 7 p.m. Because tomorrow night at 7 p.m. is bath time. And yeah, like you don't I'm want to not, be working then. I don't want to be working then. So I'm mindful of my hours. I when think that's I put, a great tip because I do the same thing. I'll put 4 p.m. or 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. the next day. Even if I'm sending it at 8 or 9 p.m. the night before and I'd like to give them 24 hours, there is no law saying it has to be 24 hours no. to the minute. Mm-mm. I mean, and because they will wait and send it to you at 8 p.m. Yeah. And then I've got to... I have the, uh, you know, the obligation to call my buyer at that point and be like, Hey, we've received a counter mm-hmm. now it's 8 PM and I'm working. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a really good tip. So be mindful of that friends. Uh, okay. In your email, I know you and I have talked about this. You put all of the documents into one file. So tell me what is in that file. What are the documents? Um, I think it's the purchase agreement, the property, lead basing, wire fraud. Maybe I go ahead and put in like the customer information form just to have it all together. The pre-approval letter. What else? That's probably it. I mean, typically yeah. I'm just sending the disclosures and the pre-approval. I like to keep all my documents together. Okay. I don't necessarily do it that way. I like, I, because I save them as separate files and in dot loop, I like them as separate files. Like I want mm-hmm. the PDD to be separate of the, uh, purchase agreement because I don't, I also don't want to send a PDD to a lender. They don't really need to see that. So sure. uh, I just, it, cause God forbid it goes into some underwriter who sees some nonsense on the PDD that mm-hmm. they would have never even known about. I just, and I have a new, <laughs> this may be jumping ahead a little. If we get a counter and the, especially as the listing or as the buyer's agent, if we get a counter and everyone agrees, when I send it to the lender, I put the counter on top of the fully signed offer, yes. not at the last Same. page, at the right. first page. If you yes. put it at the last page, they the appraiser may not see it. Right. 
Or yes. if you put it in a separate doc, like all of the purchase agreements signed and initialed, even though it has the box checked that says countered, and then the counter is a separate file, all of a sudden, here I am with a low appraisal that's mysteriously the exact amount that was on the offer, but not on the counter. Right. Hmm. Funny how that happens. So silly. So um, I do think that the way the documents are are put together in that file, I do think matters in those cases, uh, but please don't ever send an offer with page one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine of the purchase agreement in separate files. Oh my gosh. Like if you can't figure out how to merge a PDF, yeah, I understand technology can be frustrating, but please find someone who can merge it for you um, because you do not want to create work for the listing agent who's trying to work with you. I mean, don't make it Mm-hmm. Like an act of Congress to find a pre-approval letter or ask for it three times. Like make it easy for them to say, well, this agent is on top of it and they know mm-hmm. what they're doing and it's going to be a pleasant transaction because the agent can push for your offer to be accepted or countered well or worked with based on how they perceive the way you presented that offer. Right. And I believe that to be true. I mean, we'll get to being on the listing agent side in a minute. Okay. So is there anything else we need to think about on buyer side of this with our buyer hat on. I feel like I am starting to see, I guess that's listing agent, but I try to keep it at like a nine or 10 day inspection period, like very short. I think that's fair unless you're dealing with some sort of extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. Okay. So inspection periods, but all that stuff. um, I think the other thing I'd like to say is maybe make sure you you really let your buyer know that if you're sending them e-docs, that you're okay to talk to them about this, that you're mm-hmm. available for them. If they have questions that you want to walk them through the nine. Don't we have document. that in our template? I think so. Email? Yeah, I'm pretty sure like, we do. I usually send them something before I just send them something to sign that says, so Hey, you s- just want to let you know, these are coming. This is the documents that are in yeah, these, that you're going to be what signing. Sign. Call me when you're going through them. If you have any questions or want me to explain anything. Yeah. I think that's fine. Hello friends. Hi y'all. Our template course has launched. It's out there. And we have been getting some really positive feedback. Yes. I have some great feedback I wanted to share with you guys. Um, We had one purchaser say, thank you for these templates. As a new agent, I feel it would have taken me years to create these on my own. That's awesome. I know. It's so great. And then I had, these are so incredibly helpful. What a great investment. Thank you for your time and efforts putting these together. I think that you guys, this is the answer to saving yourself some time. It it helps you put systems in place. It keeps you professional. It keeps you consistent. It just makes everything run so much smoother. So much smoother. You're never mm-hmm. going to forget to tell somebody something. No, because this it's covers, all there. It's all there. And you're going to edit it to make it sound like your voice if you'd like. And it's going to be perfect for your business. Yeah. So go check out our template course. Yes. At hustlehumblypodcast.com. Perfect. Okay. Enjoy. Enjoy. Bye. Okay. All right. Shall we put on our, our listing agent hat now? Yes. Okay. I'm putting it on. YouTube <laughs> is watching me put it on. Um, okay. How do you review an offer? Like when you've got it in, it came in your email. What, what do you do to review it? Like what are your, what's the your first system? thing I do is I pull out my notes section of my phone. Okay. And I bullet point the highlights. Okay. Because I do this on a sticky note because, you know, I like okay, paper. Yes. Well, okay. this is going to be forwarded to my seller. So I'm typing it to 
send it. As usual, you're more efficient than I because then I take my <laughs> sticky note and sticky I have to note. type it into my <laughs> Gmail, right? So. so I start immediately, even before I've read the offer, I open my notes and I'm like, hey guys, have an offer. And I like to deliver it in email yeah, so that they can see it with their eyes, mm-hmm. discuss it, mm-hmm. call me yes. as soon as you read this. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the breakdown of the offer. Purchase price, closing costs, close date, refrigerator, washer, dryer, and the fountain outside remains. Mm-hmm. Um, they want the closing to t- anything closing to take place here. And this is also kind of for me to reference back Later. to yeah. because it has everything, you know, seller to provide a wood destroying insect report 50, you know, whatever. So, um, I then send it and then I say the offer is attached for you to review. Call me as soon as you get this. And then I just text them and say, Hey, I sent you an offer. Mm-hmm. Call me once you've reviewed it. Okay. I like that. When you send the offer, do you give them a net? Do you work out their net for them? I do have a little, um, I don't calculate it, but I have like the template. Mm-hmm. So I'll say based on this 250 minus 5,000 in closing costs, minus a $55 termite, minus a $600 home warranty, um, minus, and then I just put what you owe. Yeah. Okay. You know, so they know minus commission. I have that all in there too. Yeah. I do that too, because I think it's so important for them to understand whether they paid attention or not in their listing appointment. You can't assume they remember right? like what their fees are. I, I, I mean, I've never had a seller complain about seller paid closing costs, like their closing costs, because they always know. I told them at the listing, mm-hmm. I repeated it on their net sheet. Like you have to pay to cancel your mortgage. You, yes, there are seller closing costs. About four years ago, I had a seller that was like, what is this charge? I'm not paying this. I'm like, well, that's a seller charge. It's just to cancel your, well, I'll cancel my own mortgage. And, <laughs> and like, that's he, not an option. Right. He just lost his mind and it was so silly. He was just, he was doing it out of principle that I did not warn him. And the title company did not say up front, Hey, by the way, these are the title fees. I mean, I don't think title companies even do that. No, they don't. Um, so after that, I have been sensitive to make sure they understand that there are seller fees. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've had them yell at me too, but it's been a lot of years because mm-hmm. I mean, it only takes once for me to be like, wait, I got to tell you. Yeah. Um, okay. Bef- you mentioned the WDIR. So obviously we're in Louisiana and we have a lot of all kinds of bugs, but termites and powder post beetles and whatever. Uh, as a buyer's agent, you don't ask for your... You don't know. I one. feel that a termite inspection is an inspection and that the buyer is in charge of all inspections. Yeah, that's how I feel as well. But it is common in our marketplace to get a wood destroying insect addendum, which basically is asking the seller to provide that inspection and report. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't ask for them and I don't, I want, mm-hmm. I want the buyer to be in control of that. Like they need to figure it out. Yeah. Themselves. And if there's a problem and they can't issue it for whatever reason, I do ask the seller to provide it at that point. But yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've reviewed, are there, okay, this is what I want to ask you. What are your red flags? Do you, when you're reading an offer, do you have some red flags, things that make you nervous or concerned or I always look at how much they're putting down, what kind of loan they're doing. If they're going FHA and I know this house is peeling paint, 
um, that's a red flag. If I know that there's things about this property that will disqualify it for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, I'm ultra sensitive when I'm the listing agent on a condo to check the financing. Yeah. Um, and to, and I always talk to the, I usually email the lender within like right after, or I just forward them the whole email from the buyer's agent and say, Hey, I just got an offer from Katie. She is working with a buyer that came with a pre-approval letter from you. I wanted to check with your confidence on getting us to the closing table. And I like to do this because the lenders usually send back glowing reviews of the buyer. Uh huh. So if ever there is an issue, they don't. I I will respond again to that email where in the beginning you told me this was solid. This is what you said. Yeah, this is what you said. So I want to understand why we are now having a credit issue. Or, right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever the case may be. I just find it kind of puts them more responsible. And sometimes yeah. they can even figure something out like, magically, on their company right. side. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they're like, oh my God. Like it almost right. is like you messed up. So yeah, yes, agree. Oh my goodness. Okay. What makes you, do you always, if you get a low offer, your seller is not happy with the offer you've received. What makes you counter? Do you ever reject? What is your philosophy on this? Um, I don't think I ever reject. Yeah. Um, I try to just talk sense into my seller about some buyers just want to try. And then, you know, sometimes I'm like, I know that this is far from what we're asking, but it may not be a bad offer. Right. Let's look at the numbers here. Right. Look at the and And I remind them that the sales paid closing costs. So sellers, it's emotional. I've been there. I've been a seller a few times and, you know, you feel like you're getting taken advantage of paying all these fees and doing this and that. So I just like to remind them that sellers typically pay closing costs and all your neighbors did. So they're not picking on you. You're not giving the house away. This'll still be at this price per square foot for the subdivision. Right. You know, do the numbers based on what you would get back at closing. Does that work for you? Let's focus on the check you'll be getting. Yeah. And let's think about like that this month would be your last mortgage payment. And I try to talk a lot about what it would mean if this went through. Yeah. Like you would be moving on. You would have no more mortgage. Mm -hmm. This would all be over. Yep. Um, so, but of course it, it just depends on how we were priced to begin with. And yeah, I remind them how many showings we've had, what the feedback has been that I can't promise them a better offer is going to come along. Yes. So oh, I can't tell you how many times I've had to say this. Your first offer is usually your best offer. Yeah. Like don't lose your first buyer waiting on someone else because every day that passes, you're more likely to get the same offer again or a lower offer, heaven forbid. I mean, I also, if you get in, if I get a seller that's just having a real knee jerk, like this is too low, reject, no way, no how, I'll just say, okay, well, you know what? Let's just sleep on it. We'll talk about it in the morning. Like Mm -hmm. let's have one night to like cool down and then come back to it and review numbers and so I think that's helpful if you look at it from the buyer side, giving the 24 hours gives you, you know, gives that listing agent some time to maybe get the seller yeah. off the ledge a little bit. Like, right. you know, if you, if you only give me five hours and they immediately say no, nothing is going to change in five hours. But Mm-mm. if they have some real legitimate time to think about it, they might consider. Mm-hmm. I think 
you also really have to be careful to take into consideration what kind of market you're in when you make an offer and when you respond to an offer. And you have to be the person that's explaining that to your buyer or seller. They don't know Mm -hmm. what kind of market you're in. They don't have a clue. I mean, they may have read some headline. Yeah. And speaking of that, when I'm working with the buyer, I do look at day on market. You do. That's a big indicator to me of, you know, if it's been on the market a week or two, there could be other people very well looking at it. I mean, there could be people looking at if it's been on the market 150 days, but it's just less likely, you know? Agree. Yeah. Oh my And I think if it's the higher the day on market, you could try a little bit lower just to see. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you're the listing agent. You've received the offer. I also want to ask, since we're on offers, do you, I try to go, and I think we've talked about this on another episode, but it's a good time to reiterate it. I try to go to the last few showings, if not all of them and text, call or email those agents and say, I have received an offer. I mm-hmm. honestly don't even care if it's a full price offer. I still do it. Yeah. To so because the seller's always in better position if they've got multiple offers. Like what right. what could go wrong? Like that's not a bad thing for the seller. Yeah, if you use showing time in your marketplace, there's a way to go to send notifications and it's to everybody that has shown the house. Yeah, and it's very easy. You can just say, "Hey guys, we've received an offer on this one. I need to know by noon if your client is interested." Yeah. Do you, you don't make that time. Do you make that time coincide exactly? Or like give them an hour difference or yeah. I tell them I like, say I have until five o'clock to respond Mm -hmm. tomorrow. I'll say I need to know by noon tomorrow. So you have time. Yeah. I mean, you guys be mindful that you have to actually get the work done. So what if another one comes in or, you know, it's tough if you get an offer five minutes after you had to respond to another and you've Mm -hmm. already sent out your response. I mean, we're trying to be sensitive to deadlines. Oh, that's a good thing to talk about. What about deadlines? Mm. Are you, I mean, (laughs) I always need a deadline. I don't think I've ever missed one. Right. I mean, and I take them super seriously. There are some agents who are not that concerned, Mm -mm. but I have had to explain to my sellers quite a lot that, and buyers, I'm like, the seller does not have to respond by a certain deadline. If they're countering you, if, if I'm sending a counter, all that's expired is the offer as you wrote it and sent it. I, if I don't mm-hmm. want to take that either way, then I'm not held to that deadline. And people get real weird about that. Although mm-hmm. I think it is professionally courteous and right to try and stick with that deadline on your response. Yeah. It is not a requirement. It doesn't change the fact that you're countering you know, that original offer. Right. Okay. How much back and forth will you do? I will never counter a counter. I will write a new purchase agreement. Really? As a buyer's agent or Mm -hmm. even as a listing agent? You don't write a whole new one as a listing agent. You just... No, but I might ask like the... Them to do it? mm -hmm, Or just try to... It's. I don't like having... I think that that might even be a rule in our marketplace now. I, oh, really? Okay. I've yeah, had that, that you can't have before. multiple counters. Yeah, because it's not, it's kind of, well, it's very hard to keep track of. And if you're writing a counter to a counter, you have to remember to put in all the terms. All the things, yeah. All the things. So it is a lot to keep your your um, your eye on. Okay. But I'm fine to go back and forth. Yeah, it's okay. Do you do any verbal negotiating if it's gone back a couple of times already? No. I don't either, typically. But if someone's really like harassing me, and they're yeah. giving me like these, I guess as a listing agent, I might be more inclined as a buyer's agent. I'm always putting in writing, but as a listing agent, I might be like, geez, Louise, just tell me, just tell me what they can do. Right. Like, I don't want right. to keep going. Back I'm open to discussion, but I'm not going to deliver anything to my sellers verbally. 
Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, what about, have you ever had a buyer who asked you to present a verbal offer? Well, can you see if they'll do 200,000? I never have. No way. I have it all the time. Never. (gasps) Holy smokes. Mm -mm. Really keep those people in line. I'm pretty strict over here. I mean, golly, all the time I'll have people say, well, do you think that the seller will take 120 for this house that's listed for 180? And I I, I will always say, no, I don't think so. I've had them like kind of ask, like, what do you think the seller would take? And I'm like, I don't know the seller at all, but we're going to base. And I always try to take their focus off of the people. And and I'll say, I don't don't know the seller. I have no idea who they are. I'm not their agent, but right. Let, we'll look at the subdivision data and see how low we could feasibly yeah. offer. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay, what else? Oh, we have to talk about escalation clauses. Mm, yeah. This is a really key tool if you're dealing with multiple offers. Right. And it is a key tool that I would say more seasoned agents are likely to use. And... um are really super helpful. So if you're in multiple offers, how do you write an escalation clause? What do you put? I think you would put, I think it needs to be at least a thousand dollars. Okay. I've seen I don't them, think I've seen 500, 500 is my sellers well, walked away from one that was 500. Really? Um, but I usually put buyer will pay up to $1,000 over the highest offer that the seller receives up to like say the house is listed for 210 up to $217,000. Yeah. Um, But seller must provide proof of offer received of the next highest offer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had them come in 500 and and my seller, I mean, if you're splitting hairs and they really are the same yeah. offer, take the five. Why wouldn't you take the 500, right? Mm-hmm. Listen, how crazy this is. It was a multiple offer on my listing. And the agent that was showing one of them was like, hey, I just want to let you know my clients, they're both attorneys. They're kind of particular red flags. Right, right. Like, don't tell me any of that. Don't tell me any of that. And then we had multiple offers and they used the $500 escalation clause. And they still were like, the seller's like, no thanks. Well, the second offer was like, they were the same, except that these people would pay 500 more. And my sellers decided, we just don't know that it's worth it to get 500 more dollars to go with someone who may be more difficult. Well, that's a great, and that's what I would consider to be a red flag, right? So if I get a certain type of buyer or a certain type of loan or a certain wording in their feedback, I had multiple offers. Remember the one that you won? My house Mm -hmm. had, my listing had five offers. So crazy. Um, And one of them specifically fell out of line, if you will, like when I ranked them. Because the feedback the agent had submitted said things that he was probably trying to prime us for an offer, not knowing there would be multiple offers, but it was basically like the house needed some maintenance on the back fence and mentioned something else negative. And I'm like, I don't want to work. We can't, we have all these people begging to buy your house. You you certainly can't pick the one that pointed out negative stuff. Mm -mm. And that's kind of funny because those feedbacks make sense if you're trying to be honest and thorough and you're the only one who's making an offer. And all of a sudden they become 
a problem if you're in a multiple offer situation. I think you just, you also have to be careful what you're telling other agents about your clients. I I think as agents, we get comfortable with other agents and we feel like venting connects us maybe, but it could hurt you and you need to watch what you're saying. I think if you have a difficult client, um, you're the only one that needs to know that. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. Um, I don't know. That okay. So for multiple offers, yeah, I don't always call for highest and best. Okay. So you've received multiple offers as the listing agent. Mm-hmm. What do you tell your seller? Tell me, walk me through it. I let them, I break, I break down the scenarios on paper okay. um, or via email or whatever. So they can see exactly what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, pros and cons of each. We we're looking at who the lenders are. I let them know if I know these lenders, right. we're looking at loan type at how mm-hmm. much they're, they're putting down. Mm-hmm. Um, I email all the lenders and I let them know if you are happy with one of these offers, we do not have to call for highest and best. Right. We can just accept. Yeah. Um, or we can call for highest and best. I usually try to present it as, we have multiple offers. You will, if your client would like to submit a highest and best, I need it by noon tomorrow, mm-hmm. or you can opt to leave your offer as is. Okay. I try to word it that way to keep people from backing out altogether. Okay. That is a great point. And this is my question. That's what happens if you send out the highest and best sometimes. Some of the yes. buyers freak out and they just say, well, never mind. I'll rescind. I've, I've over, like I've rethought it. I don't want to be in competition. I, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. I and I think feet. as, yes. And as agents, we need to be educating our buyers that if there's multiple offers, we don't always get the opportunity for highest and best. Well, that was the next thing I was going to say. As a listing agent, you've received one offer. So everyone mm-hmm. after that, when it came in, you told those agents, I already have an offer. Yes. So I am going to assume that you are giving me your highest and best offer. I don't need right. to come back and tell you, okay, Make it your highest and best by yes. merit of you being number two, three, or four. You know you you're should, competing. Why are you not giving me your highest and best? If it's not the only person who needs the opportunity to highest and best is offer one. Yeah. Everyone Same. else yeah. should be already there. Mm-hmm. I, I Yes. And I think it's funny that some agents end up so salty at the end of a multiple offer because maybe you didn't do a highest and best or, you know, like it's, not personal. You can only sell the house once. Like, right. Like you can only sell it once. Someone has to win. Mm-hmm. I know it's, I don't want to make it adversarial or like a big, you know, someone's a loser, and, but someone has to win. Like only one person. Can and buy. I usually do try to get a backup offer secured. Yeah. How do you do that? I find it to be hard sometimes. I just asked the person that would have been second I just let them know, hey, you would have been second. You never know how things are going with financing or inspections these days. Would you like to be second in line? Yeah. Do you counter them at the same terms as the offer you have received if there's a difference? No, sometimes we'll just count. That was their highest and best. (sighs) Right. So if they're still happy with it, you know. Right. Well, sometimes I think I've even had pushback before where they're like, well, or another agent, I believe has told me the story where they said, okay, would you like to be the backup? And we'll, you know, we'll accept your offer the way it's written. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, wait, if my offer was good enough, 
why didn't you take it? You know what I mean? The other one was higher. Yeah. But then it just feels almost like, I don't know, a slap in the face. Like, well, shoot, I, you know, should have done better. I know. Right. Mm -hmm. It's tricky. Okay. Anything else on the multiple offer situation? I don't think so. Um, I try to think of things, especially on the listing side. I feel like occupancy is one of those things that I have a really serious talk with my sellers about. Yes. Like, hey, this closing date is May 1st. That means you have to show up on May 1st with a key in your hand and all of your stuff's got to be out of your house. And you probably couldn't sleep there that night before May 1st because your stuff needs to be out of your house. Yes. And then they might say, oh, well, no, I've got to do X, Y, Z. Or I'm like, this negotiation of this offer is the only time you get to make any request or have any say in this. And after it, we're not, I mean, legally, the buyer doesn't have to let you stay an extra two days to move out or whatever it is. So I just, I feel like I've had it happen to me a lot where I was on the buyer side and all of a sudden the seller is like, well, we can't be out at closing. Right. I'm like, well, that's terrifying. <laughs> it's so scary. Get out. <laughs> but you really logically and logistically, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. It's and that's where the move out checklist comes in handy though, because I it's know. like an awakening that, Hey, these are all the things you have to do by May 1st. Get well, it done. That's the thing that I think is so important in client management and everything we talk about in professionalism it is your responsibility as the agent to make sure that your seller and buyer understand how the process actually works and what is actually being required of them. Mm-hmm. I think that's important. Okay. Right. Um, I do reiterate reserved, uh, reserved items scare the bejesus out of me. Cause even if the seller told me in the listing appointment and then, you know, I, I don't know where to, and even if I put it in the listing, I am always afraid and I try to put like a note somewhere for when I get an offer that if it's not written in the offer, you know, it doesn't still count, right? I'm buying a fountain right now. (laughs) (laughs) For your seller? I mean, it's my listing and on the homeowner information sheet, she had put that she was taking the fountain. That homeowner information sheet was in MLS. Right. Um, We got multiple offers on this house within like two hours of me listing it. it. was crazy madness. We went over asking, we ended up not countering anything. And so I I just forgot about the fountain. And to me, I found this fountain is movable anyway. Like it's in the yard, in the flower bed. It's a piece of concrete that is sitting in the flower bed, like a pot. Right. Legally, that is true. I know I could fight it, but, um, my, the, the buyer's agent emailed me and was like, my buyer drove by and noticed the fountain's gone and he really wanted the fountain. And I didn't even call my seller. You're just because like, I this will isn't, handle it. Yeah. It's not my seller's problem. No, no my seller not. put it on the homeowner information sheet day one that she was keeping I it. I am not going to be the agent that calls her and tells her she, I know that you said you wanted to keep your fountain, but would you mind bringing it back? No, like, no, no, don't but, do that. But here's my question. Cause you're the queen of best practices. How would you have avoided this? Like logistically, I would have countered. I know, but did you, at the time of the offers, when the multiple offers came in, you didn't remember. I didn't remember. That's my question. And How it was in remember? MLS for the other 
agent. I know, to I know. Be. I know. It's like I did all that I could. <laughs> That's how I feel too, because I feel like this is that weird part of getting an offer on your listing that this reserved items thing is. That's why if my seller says, I want to reserve the bathroom mirror, I'm like, can you please take that down and just put right. up another mirror before yes. listing? Because I don't want to remember this and I don't want to forget it. And I, as the buyer's agent, I almost feel like reserved is easier because I look at the list. I write down what's in the MLS. Right. I, right. I, it's, or if there's something like a fountain that I, maybe I need or a playset or something I want to just clarify with the listing agent, it's fine. But as a listing agent, I feel like this is one of those things. It's easy to get lost. It is. Yeah. All right. So we don't really have a best practice. I mean, I did everything I could and I just freaking forgot. I know. Well, that's right. You're human. My brain. Now you're buying a luckily he was fine with. Luckily, he was fine with $100. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. I was like, oh I don't know. God. I hope it, you know, how much could a fountain be? And if he wasn't going to be okay with it, I was <sighs> prepared to go fight for like, I'm not paying you 500 well, look, I had the like same, I was prepared to go. I had the fountain situation. I had the buyer though, and the fountain was a big, huge concrete. It looked like it was two hundred pounds of fountain by the front, like in the courtyard. And the seller had been nothing but trouble the whole time. Of course, here we go to the walk. I, I'm pretty sure we noticed it at the walkthrough. Like fountain's gone, and I'm like, I call the agent. I'm like, what's the story? Fountain's gone. And she's like, what do you mean? It's movable. Like, and I'm like, that giant concrete fountain was movable. So then I had the title attorney had to talk my buyer through it and be like, I'm sorry, but it's, um, it, it plugged into the wall. It didn't leave any damage when it was removed. It's movable. Like it's not, wow. and then it was on me because I didn't tell my buyer to ask for it. You know what I mean? So and what I felt, did you do? I just felt bad. I mean, he was okay. He understood the legality of it. I mean, yeah. the, the title attorney explained the legality of it. It's not, and I, but I felt bad. And I was like, I'm, you know, like, I'm sorry. I, it never would have even occurred to me. It's like one of those things. It's a lesson you learn the hard way because my, my client ended up unhappy. Right. And the seller did something that I think maybe was a little sketchy, but truly yeah, in, that's a in, tough le one. in legal terms, it's not like it, right. it was okay for your seller to take it. That's mm -hmm. uh, tough. Okay. Anything else on offers? I feel like you could really cover this for a lot. There's so much nuance. I mean, we could go into lease purchases. Oh my we could gosh. Go into, mm -hmm. There's so many outlets we could go, but I think that this was a good offer basics. Okay. I think that's fair. All right. I have a toast. I'm ready. Oh, good. Okay. So um, today we are going to toast to Kristen. I think it's mean. Um, she's in Virginia Beach, and she just got her first ever lead for a buyer from out of state that's moving into her area on Instagram. Oh my god! I know, that's so good. And as I was checking out, Kristen, she also has the super amazing um, Instagram account, Summer Chic Antique, and she like <gasps> rehabs. Cute. Oh my god, so cute! And she rehabs antiques, and they were beautiful. Oh, wow. So y'all go check out Kristen and celebrate with us her big win. She got a lead on her Instagram. Congratulations, Kristen. Congrats, Kristen. Cheers. Cheers to you. Okay, bye, friends. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle Humbly podcast. Let us know who we should toast to for the next episode. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hustle Humbly Podcast. If you have an episode, topic, or question, please email us at hustlehumblypodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. See you next week. Bye.
fly. 